0: Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Parakud Aleph. Amosef, to is finishing with the seventh Mishnah before before we move on to Perik Yud Bey's Mishnah Aleph. In the previous Mishnah, as we were discussing, we have a child we're unsure who the father is because the mother too hastily married after she her previous marriage ended, and then we're, we're, therefore we're unsure is this child the product of the first marriage born full term or of the second marriage born prematurely. We're now going to. Uh, add another variable into this and that is what if one of the husbands was a coin one of the husbands was a yisrael one was a coin, and we're unsure who the father is so we don't know if this child is a coin or yisrael no say isha rui the coin. so therefore the child can only marry someone fit to marry a Cohen in the event that he is a him. but if he does get some time we don't give lashes because we only give a real bona fide coin. Uh, uh, lashes, not someone who, who's, un, who's unverified. They don't Truma, he can't eat Truma. If he does eat it, we don't pay, make him pay the principal or the value uh, or the additional fifth. Nor does he receive a portion from the threshing floor. But he does sell the Truma and he may keep the money. We don't receive the portions of the sacrifices or the hides. We don't give him actual parts of the sacrifices, like the uh, various uh, cheekbone, etc. We don't remove it from his possession, as in the bechar. He's exempt from giving the foreleg, the jaws, and stomach to the Cohen as a gift. And if he has a Bihar, we don't take it from him. We was in the previous mishnah, two mishnahs ago. But we let it uh, r- roam until it gets injured, and then he can sell it or slaughter it. And basically, to sum it up, we place upon him the stringencies of both a kohen and yisrael. However, what happens if both of the fathers were Kohanim? This woman, this woman decided to marry one Cohen. Then, after that marriage ended, she married another Cohen. So now we know the marriage only ended in death because if it was a divorce. She was not; should not be allowed to marry a second Cohen. So the um, her husband dies; she uh, sits shiva, and immediately she remarries. Now we're unsure who the uh, this this boy is a product of the first marriage or second marriage. Hai Kohanim, who owned the lamb. So number one is. That this the, if the if one of the these husbands die, um so there then. The case of an oning is where the, the when a person immediately after their our close relative dies the kohen is not allowed to uh, to eat truma or perform t- temple service and for those who are doing smichas uh, shabbur with us they know that what we co- uh, colloquially call an oning is really a misha meis of not an actual oning the difference between that the two of those you have to. Uh, Come to our smichus Chavashir, here. Although I believe I posted that one as a teaser on the other podcast. Okay, either way, who owning um, If either the fathers die, so then the then this child is not owning on 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 the on the one who dies. Assume it, because we have to make the assumption the chumrah, the stringency that um, that maybe it's his real actual father. Now, if you're thinking one minute, didn't I just say a second ago that um, clearly this is a case where the the, the mother was widowed. And only after married someone else, because how could she marry a divorcee? So I was thinking the same thing. Um, so why are we using the, the language of Lehem? But the Rav, the bartender over here, points out that you can you can concoct a case where a woman has a son from two men, both were legitimate, and the marriage didn't end in divorce or in death. So now we're getting into a whole new territory, which I don't want to go down. But very simply, she basically said, he basically says a case where a woman a woman marries a man, they have a child, and part of the initial Kedushin was, he says, I'm marrying you on the condition that X, Y, or Z. I'm marrying you on the condition that uh, your father is a multi-billionaire. They get married, and they have a child, and then he finds out the father's not a, a multi-billionaire. So because of the way he phrased it, that's not he made, that undoes the marriage. And now um, there's no need for a get because the marriage never took hold. So now you have, a, you have a boy born from this marriage. Marriage is was undone, but the child's legitimate, and he's a Cohen. And now she can go marry someone else. So here's you have a case. We have two fathers who are alive. Well, two potential fathers who are alive. Two husbands who are alive. Better yet. A son, we're not sure which is the father. So, yet ha- ha- L'Chumrah, he can't work in the mix of Migdash. He's an Onayn on both of them. Similarly, Vahim Onayn And if he dies, so both husbands have to be Machmir. Well, no, we say it's not really both husbands. The husband and the the uh, husband al Tanai have to be Machmir and assume that he's their son. Okay. However, he cannot not to become tummy to them because you can only become Tami to one of your seven relatives. And we're not sure which is actually his father. And they can't become tummy to him. The son does not inherit from either of them, because the other sons will say, a minute, you're not the real son. Prove it, you're the real son. So, the son cannot inherit. But the husbands do inherit the son. That is, if he dies without children, so the next available relatives are the fathers. So the fathers, well, in this case, the father and the son of father, they split it. Now, this applies more universally. Anytime you have a son, we're not sure where the father is he's exempt if he uh, curses or hits one of the it fa- hits one of the suffolk fathers because you can't prove it fine next back to our regular kohanim that in the way the temple service was divided was they had multiple groups of kohanim and he this son will go up with both of the groups but he does not receive a portion of the meat or the hides that week because each mishmar could say you don't really belong to us but both belong to the same Mishma, the same group, then he does indeed take his portion. Okay. Kerek, Yud we're moving into the world, the Chalitza, and let's get very, very practical to um, let's get very practical to what is exactly Chalitza. Chalitza involves three parts. The Yavam removes a shoe from the Yavam's foot. She refused, removes his shoe. She spits in front of him, and then um, they say certain verses from the Torah, and that's what it is. All this, um, okay, fine. Says, and we'll describe this soon. Number one is you need to have dyanim there, judges. But I feel You don't need actual uh, dyanim. You can have three laymen who can who are not official judges, but uh, can serve in that capacity. you remove the shoe. So if um, the this shoe is a manua, it's made of soft leather. It works, it's a, it's a valid chalitza, even though, by rabbinic decree, we said you should not use a soft shoe because you have to use a shoe that's a real hard shoe, where there's not a, a fear that there are holes in it. And the soft shoe sometimes has holes in it, people don't care because it's soft, and it's more of a, a slipper, and people are, I guess, more willing to have holes in their slippers because it's a big deal in the first place. So we normally don't like using soft shoes, but if you do perform a chalitza with a soft shoe, it works. But if you remove a cloth, use a cloth shoe, like a real slipper, chalitza pasua, it's, it's invalid because that's not considered a shoe. By the way, you would be thinking, this might play into the or the debate about wearing shoes on Yom Kippur or on uh, on um, Tisha Buf. It very much does so. Well, kind of. There's maybe one variable we're not going to discuss now. But um, wearing shoes on Yom Kippur, how can you to wear shoes? The Torah says not to wear shoes or they, they're a button you're not allowed to wear shoes. So how do you to wear shoes? Well, how do you define a shoe? Clearly defined upon leather, which is a cloth shoe is not considered a shoe, meaning you can but you can't perform chalitza with it. I said is an extra variable. I guess I'm in a talkative mood today. This might not be the ca- case for tishubah, but certainly not the case when it comes to going higher bias, because um is not a didn't in, in, in not wearing a shoe, a shoe because of uh, mourning, but re- or, or afflicting oneself but rather about a kavod. So you might not be able to walk in harbias with uh, with a cloth shoe, and by extension, you may be able to extend that to uh tissue as well although we're not going to make that extension right now because that's a different shear. and yom kippur you can also make a you can also make a claim it's about afflicting oneself so even if it's very soft you're not afflicting yourself even though you can claim it's not a real shoe because it's not leather therefore um we'll leave it at that okay the sandal sheesh lo if this if the sandal has a heel so and this is a heel so kosher it's valid if it does not have a heel. it's invalid because the shoe will just slip right off, and therefore it won't be. It has to be unwrapped. It has to be unwrapped. Minaruka lamata. If you the the, the um, wrappings for the shoe goes from along the yavam's leg below the knee, it's kosher. Minaruka If it's above the yavam's knee, then it's invalid because it has to be you're unwrapping the foot. Below the leg, below the knee, down below, you can say that's con- still considered part of the foot. Above, it's not part of the leg. If you want to mit- draw implications from here to the wor- world of Sneas, uh t- and what's considered snea clothing in terms of uh, a woman going outside or perhaps uh, davening, so one can probably do that, but we're not going to do that right now. I wish you all a wonderful day.